Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Forever Saturday podcast, because it's always college football Saturday in our house. We're keeping Jim Harbaugh, everyone, uh, and so we're here to talk about it. I'm Serena, better known as at R on Twitter. And I'm Matt, at MattSports723. Man, what a ride. We're just now starting, I think, to come down from the high of, of the whole roller coaster of the experience here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it ended kind of unexpectedly, I guess, and now it's just done. And we don't have to worry about venturing into the horrifying ocean depths of a coaching search, and I guess that's it. So You say unexpectedly, and, and it did in, in terms of I think that the result was unexpected, but I did kind of expect to have my answer today, right? I, I yeah, think yeah. Harbaugh fully walked in there expecting to walk out with a job, and when he didn't, that was kind of that. But if he had gotten it, I think we would have known today too. So right. I, I did expect it to end. Like I was refre- – I'm – psycho as anybody who is listening to this podcast knows that I'm psycho. I was legitimately looking at what time the tweet was posted yesterday about Patrick Graham's nine hour interview. And I was like, it was posted at six fifty or six eighteen or whatever time it was. And I was like, it is six fifteen. We are three minutes away from being the exact timestamp where news started coming out about yesterday's interviews. So we're getting close and boom, within like 10 minutes of that window, you know, we got Schefter's breaking news tweet. So I'm crazy, but Twitter stalker over here. Listen, I have been doing absolutely nothing but typing Harbaugh into the Twitter search bar every five minutes for 24 hours. I didn't even, you have to type it each time. It's just at the top of my search. So I can just, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? (laughs) I like didn't even sleep. Like I, I, was up till three 30 in the morning, combing through the MGO blog message boards, trying to find like options or tidbits or like anything. I didn't sleep. And then I spent all day, I kid you not when I say this all day, sitting in the corner of our, we have like a sectional with a corner, sitting in the corner of my sectional working, but also just listening to really sad Taylor Swift songs and acting like I just got dumped. That's how I spent today. Yeah, it was really depressing. So in light of that, how are you feeling now? Better, (laughs) way better. I got to tell you, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is not perfect and shit. I wanted him I wanted him fired a year ago. And the only reason, I mean, kind of, which is to say I was very out on him, but I didn't love any of our options. Mm -hmm. And now I still don't like when it, you know, when we were at the prospect of having a coaching search this year, I still was out on any replacement, you know, that, that we might've had for him. So I feel good. Um, I feel, I feel relaxed. I feel good because I was, I think really Listen, I tweeted, I cried more than once. She did. I can vouch for this. Yes. It was absolutely unhinged behavior, but I did. And the reason why I think it was so deeply frustrating, it was frustrating for me more than it was anything else because, and I talked about this a little bit on Twitter, but the prospect of losing Harbaugh at this moment, I thought was really, really frustrating only because... I feel like college football is at a bit of a watershed moment right now with NIL and the transfer portal, like really, truly changing the game in a way that is unlike anything we've seen in recent years. There have been, you know, developments in the way that the game is played in terms of, you know, your more pass prone offenses versus the, you know, Urban Meyer spread that was introduced back in the day. There have been on-field developments, but this is a very, very significant structural development to the game, the likes of which probably hasn't occurred since games first started being broadcasted on television, right? right? It's a huge change. 
And the prospect of being left behind at this juncture is very, very scary to me. Uh, the, the program gets left behind at this juncture is very scary to me. And so I wanted a coach that I thought was equipped to handle it. A coach that had enough credibility with Michigan's administration to be able to push back when necessary. A coach that had enough credibility with the fans. A coach that had enough power or influence mm-hmm. to be able to say here's what we need in order to be competitive and be taken seriously right. and a new coach was not that person and I felt like we were going to have to relinquish a whole bunch of power over the program because we no longer had the person who was in the best position to wield that power and I was very frustrated by that because it, it does feel like despite our success this year that it is in a very precarious and tenuous position. And I didn't want to get left behind. And having Jim Harbaugh at the helm, I think is, it, it, calm, it calms my nerves on that point versus yeah. having, especially if we were making the internal hire, like a first time head coach, maybe Matt Campbell is working on something at Iowa state where he's trying to figure out how to do these things too. And so a real head coach, you know, who has been a head coach might still be able to figure it out even at a different school. But I, I kind of thought we were going to go with an internal hire and that made me very nervous in the grand scheme of things. So I am relieved, deeply relieved. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much in the same boat. And it wasn't necessarily just because I thought we might go with an internal hire. I mean, even looking externally there, as we talked about a few weeks ago, there was just nobody really out there who was like, yeah, this is the obvious guy that you have to go get. Right. And I've been through enough. I mean, Michigan's gone through three full coaching searches in the time that I've been an adult. And all of them are just horrifying experiences. And a couple of days ago, I was looking, I was on, I think it was on MGO blog message board. And it was like, if Harbaugh leaves, who would be your first call? And I start scrolling through, and some of the first names I see are like Sean Payton, Tom Herman. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, this is an experience I don't think I want anymore. Um, and I think all the things you said are, are, are true, and obviously just continuity and stability, given where we ended this past season, are going to be huge for the program. I, I will admit that there was that, that little piece of me that kind of thought, you know, there's always like that that hope of something new. You never know what it's going to be, and it could be better. Like, no, I if, think something um, new is always worse. <laughs> That's how I work. Like, I mean, like you said, Harbaugh's not perfect, and we have had our fair share of complaints about him not really running an offense the way that most successful college offenses look. It obviously got better over the course of this season and has in general since Gaddis came on board, but at times it's still kind of painful and doesn't really look the way that the Ohio State's and Oklahoma's of the world look. And root so, canal offense, as I Yeah, so you have root it. canal offense. And so there was that, you know, there's that idea in the back of your mind, like, okay, Harbaugh leaves and we lose out on a bunch of things, but there are things that a different coach could do differently to offset that and maybe make Michigan even more competitive, more better, better positioned. Uh, you know, the, the part you said about like being able to push back against the university. I mean, Harbaugh famously before he came to Michigan, criticized Michigan for not having stringent enough academic standards for its athletes. So that's an area where I'm like, I'm not sure that Harbaugh is ever really going to push in the other direction, which is kind of what we want for Michigan to be able to compete for, 
you know, five stars in the way that national title winning programs or national title contending programs are doing. And transfers. So, right, there are things where I'm like, I don't know that Harbaugh is ever really going to embrace that in a way that we probably need to in quote-unquote modern college football. And so there was that little bit of me that was like, well, you know, maybe if somebody new comes in, that will change in a way that is a net positive. But the odds of that happening, admittedly, are quite slim, especially given that the candidates, as you look around, are not super compelling. And so I'm ni- I'm basically saying that I'm 90% relieved and 10% wondering what could have been, but the, the relief far outweighs that. So Listen, the only time I have ever seen Michigan conduct a what I would term successful coaching mm-hmm. search is when they hired Harbaugh in the first place, and he... Right was a no-brainer candidate that year. He was the number one with a bullet candidate. Everybody knew the the stars aligned with the way that things ended for him in San Francisco. And that was the only time we've ever done this right. Right. In my other two coaching searches that I have been, you know, a person <laughs> who pays attention for were the Rich Rodriguez and Hoke coaching searches. And you could argue the Rich Rodriguez one went the result was good and that Richrod was probably the most desired candidate out there who wasn't already at, uh, you know, Alabama tried to hire him the year before and he turned them down like famously. And then they hired Nick Saban, which Hmm. may be the greatest what if in the history of college football. That's a good topic. We should bookmark that. Yeah, We'll we'll come back to that. The greatest what ifs in the history of college football, huh? (laughs) Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, Michigan's coaching searches in the last 20 years outside of the time when there was the most obvious candidate to like absolutely sell yourself out for it to get haven't turned out very good so yeah i'm I'm all things considered pretty relieved that we don't have to dive into this world where we're debating on twitter between tom herman and jeff halfley and various other candidates who i keep seeing names of and i'm just like oh christ that's no (laughs) yeah i i'm very much with you and with respect to the offense i mean i think you might be right that harbaugh might not be the right person to push back but honestly i kind of feel like I kind of feel like people's rationale on this kind of stuff is mostly self-serving. And he was at Stanford when he said those things and he like, you mean the academics? Yeah. 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 And so, right. He was at Stanford when he was, right, he's competitive kind of stuff. and he's, he's going right, to push like, for whatever it takes to, to get he, where he wants to right. be. Right. I, I, he doesn't want to sit here and, and lose all the time. And I think especially the transfer portal is something Michigan needs to be wary of because the way that, that it's set up right now, you know, it's a, it's a revolving door, but the only way you can go is out from Michigan. It's going to be extraordinarily difficult to bring any non-grad transfers into the program. And so you're like, it it seems likely that Michigan might one day run into a problem where they're losing a bunch of talent from their roster and they can't replenish that talent because they can't take transfers in the way that other programs can. And, and that's a problem. And I think yeah. Harbaugh is better positioned to try to rectify that with the administration. He definitely than, has more sway for sure around Ann Arbor and among university, like people who matter basically right. than anybody who could, who was going to come in externally. So that, that is something where I think you're right. If he, if anybody can push for that and make some headway, even though I think there's probably limited headway to be made there, given all that we know about the way the university operates, he's probably the guy who can do it. So I wouldn't, right. wouldn't disagree that he's, he's, he's the guy for that. Definitely. And I'm, I'm, like I said, mostly relieved. I, from my perspective, when there's not a slam dunk, I, I like panic. I can't, yeah. I, I don't like risks. I have to tell you. <laughs> But, Which is why you were freaking out for all of the last 24 hours. Correct. Although I, I admittedly was, was pretty skeptical he the whole time. He was skeptical. You want to know what? We, let's, let's take a minute and give Matt his props on this because he 
read that ballast report, which we all read the ballast report that sent all of Michigan Twitter and the whole Michigan universe into a 24 hour frenzy. And he was like, "Mm, this report does not pass the sniff test. That was Matt's immediate reaction. I'll give you that. So a little background on me. So I I was a journalist for about seven years, Uh, actually covered college football at one point, was writing college football for, for Fox Sports. And so I think that background and the fact that now in my job, uh, or at least for the last five years since I did my MBA, I've been in consulting and I'm often interviewing people and trying to understand kind of from like a corporate stakeholder perspective, like what's their angle? How do I really kind of understand their their bias and their perspective and put all that together? And so I think when I read things, I tend to view them that way, where especially stories that are sourced from anonymous uh, anonymous sources. I kind of read them trying to figure out, okay, who do I think the sources are? Who does this writer know? And trying to piece all that together into what does this actually mean, given that background and context. And thinking about Chris Ballas specifically, obviously he writes for the Wolverine. His sources are going to be on the Michigan side. And as you read through that story, or as I read through it initially, my thought was, okay, these sources are all on the Michigan side. And everything in here seems to be, he is talking to people who are interpreting their interactions with Harbaugh as Harbaugh thinks he is going into this interview and is going to get an offer at the end of it. And that to me was totally different from the way that the headline and the lead were written, which is Harbaugh is going to be the next head coach. The offer is a formality. And those are two different things because the Vikings actually have to make that offer. And if you have no sources on the Viking side that are confirming that that is the way they're viewing it, that's very different. I was not holding my breath. I mean, I said on Twitter and I told you this morning that like I, I still think it's pretty likely that he's gone given that everybody is reporting if he gets an offer, he'll take it. It seems like everything is kind of lined up for him to be the, the last final interview. Like nothing looked good, but also I've been through enough weird coaching searches to know that until the deal is actually done, weird shit can and will happen. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I still think it's like 80-20, or I mean 20-80, basically 20% that he returns. Again, wasn't holding my breath, but I was pretty skeptical that there was actually like a a done deal that was going to get closed for sure. Yeah, you expressed that skepticism to me more than once. And in fairness, you know, reading the article, I came away with the same conclusion. But I did think, looking at the universe of candidates that were available for the Vikings job, that Harbaugh is far and away the best of those candidates. Oh, he was certainly the most qualified. It really seemed to be more of a question of, Owners who seem to be maybe in question around Harbaugh's, like, his ability to work with people, especially somebody new where there's going to need to be collaboration and Harbaugh's kind of notoriously a control freak, as a lot of coaches are. So there were some questions there where it was like, For sure. how is he actually going to Just fit? from, I think this is just a function of the perspective that I bring, which is to say... I'll take a well-credentialed person over just about anything else. I think a person who has been there and has succeeded and knows what they're talking about and knows what they're doing and has the proven track record. That's exactly why I loved Harbaugh as an original, like his initial point of hiring, right? Is because he was all of those things that when I was looking around at the, at the candidates that Minnesota had beyond Harbaugh, I was like, come on, Harbaugh's got this in the bag because I, everybody else is, ridiculously underqualified as it compares to him and I would put qualifications above all else but it looks like what happened in in Minnesota was not that they were they were prioritizing other aspects of this person's overall package presumably their ability to work with the ownership work with the GM etc and potentially bring upside for somebody who 
all of the other candidates besides Harbaugh were significantly younger. And in that way, probably brought some kind of additional potential that Harbaugh, who's approaching 60, probably did not, where you figure you've right. got maybe a five-year window. And Yeah, but uh, the other thing, too, was that the Vikings ownership had stressed that, you know, they, they didn't want to go through a rebuild. They don't think sure. it's rebuild yeah. time. They have a, a bit of a difficult cap situation going into 2022, but 2023 looked better. Mm-hmm. And so it's one year where it might be a little rough, but then you kind of have some room to run with the roster. At least that's how I have understood it. I haven't actually personally looked at the Vikings' cap situation. Right. <laughs> I, I don't have time for that. Yeah. But I, that's that's the impression I've gotten from the way that it's been reported. And if you think you can get a Super Bowl in a five-year window, oh, sure. you yeah. probably take that trade. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, hiring someone like Harbaugh for a very, very short window while you kind of have the roster that you currently have is mm-hmm. in line with their statements that they're not trying to turn this into a rebuild. And so all of those things converging led me to believe that Harbaugh was going to be the guy. So while I read the report with the same kind of like, this is a little sus mm-hmm. as you – I still came away from it feeling really, really bad because yeah. I was like, this is a no-brainer. Turns out it was not a no-brainer to the Vikings who right. disagreed with me. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was it, it struck me as like sus, basically, that this report came out during Patrick Graham's interview just because, I mean, in light of what happened the same afternoon with Brian Flores, basically putting out there that he had had an interview and Brian Dable had found out before Flores even went into the interview that he was getting the head coaching job. And it turns out it was basically just an interview for show, or at least that's the accusation. Like having basically that same exact thing play out with the Vikings, if that had been true, the optics of that would have been so bad for the Vikings that they and probably... And the NFL. Right. They would probably would have had to torpedo Harbaugh's offer anyway. Like It's yeah. it's giving oh. Kirk Herbstreet circa <laughs> 2007. 2007. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, just just the whole thing, as I read it, I'm like, I just don't really buy that this is how this is playing out right now. And it's not that Harbaugh's not going to get an offer. I still think he's probably the front runner, but I was not totally sold. And, and it turns out that, I mean, I guess we don't know exactly what played out. That's an interesting question that I don't think we're ever really going to know an answer to. It sounds like... I have a hypothesis. Uh, yeah. And yeah, my hypothesis is that... Jim Harbaugh is Jim Harbaugh, and he walked in there, and, and this this kind of, it comports with Ballas' report, which is mm-hmm. basically Harbaugh's acting like the job is his, right? That was the actual factual portion of Ballas' report, if you can call it that, because it's mostly an opinion based that other people are providing based on the way that Harbaugh is behaving. It's an right. interpretation of behavior. Exactly. But their interpretation of Harbaugh's behavior, whomever these, these folks were in, inside the football facilities at Michigan was that Harbaugh's acting like this job is his. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think he went to Minnesota thinking that he was going to walk out with that offer in hand. And when he didn't, he was like, I don't need this. Like, I think him and the Vikings' ownership basically were just not seeing eye to eye from jump about what level, the level to which this interview was a formality. The Vikings did not view this interview as a formality. And maybe Harbaugh didn't view it as a formality either. I mean, Bacon did report that he prepped all day on, right, on Tuesday right. for the interview, but he expected to walk out of there with an offer. And perhaps when he didn't, he was like, I don't need this anymore. Or when it became clear over the course of the interview that they were really still feeling him out and were going to take a step back and reassess and then make a decision at some point in the coming days, that may have been enough for him to say, if this isn't for sure, I need to pull out. 
Right. And I do think that's in line with what is coming out in, in reports generally, which is, I, you know, I've got a few tweets in front of me from Courtney Cronin, who I think is the ESPN um, reporter, beat reporter for the Vikings. And her tweet says, the Vikings saw this very differently and not as a slam dunk, as a source put it to me, the way they felt Harbaugh viewed the interview, viewed the situation coming into Wednesday. There was no offer extended. This isn't a necessarily a matter of who said no to who, but two sides that did not align on the nature of what the in-person meeting was all about. And so that's kind of what I think happened, which is to say, if Harbaugh didn't walk out of there with an offer, he wasn't going to wait around for one, Um, which is super interesting in light of all of the reports that said he's hell-bent on getting back to the NFL. And then he had given the coaching staff the week off. I mean, there was no reason he couldn't have hypothetically waited 48 hours. There's nothing happening Right. From a Michigan football standpoint, that would have. I mean, shit, signing day is ostensibly today. I mean, I right. know Michigan's class was <laughs> locked up already. But, like if right, but if he's interviewing day, on signing day, then yeah, the 48 hours after, who gives a shit? <laughs> right, it doesn't matter. So that does kind of lend itself to me to the idea that he he did withdraw after being there. Yeah. It um, sounds like it's not necessarily. I mean, I think everybody's going to paint it as he withdrew or he didn't get an offer. And, and like, those things can They're actually be true. true at the same time. They're I, both true. Yeah, I think the the sequence of events was that it was an hour, hour and a half before um, it came out that the Vikings were going to make an offer to Kevin O'Connell that it came out that Harbaugh was going to return to Michigan. And so that timeline essentially leads me to believe that what you just said, the way the interview went down, Harbaugh came to the decision in that conversation that he was not going to get an offer that day. I don't think that was necessarily indicative of a certainty that he was not going to get an offer at all. But I think he made the decision to withdraw given the uncertainty of whether he was going to get an offer because that came out from both the Michigan people and one of the Vikings, I think it was the athletic reporter for the Vikings who said from his sources that Harbaugh had quote unquote changed his mind about his level of interest in the Vikings. Right. And so I, I do think Harbaugh withdrew from consideration, and then they ultimately made the decision to move on to Kevin O'Connell. It doesn't mean they weren't going to hire O'Connell anyway, right? And it doesn't mean that they weren't not going to offer make an offer to Harbaugh. It was just that Harbaugh, I think, given the the nature of the way that like ships in out, the night, right. basically, is is how those decisions happened. They can both be true, I think, right. at the same time, and and that's kind of what I think happened, which is to say, Harbaugh didn't get an offer when he walked when he left Minneapolis and in light of that he was like all right I don't need this and at the same time the Vikings ownership was mulling it over and they were saying are we going to extend an offer to Harbaugh are we not and they hadn't done it yet obviously are we going to do it or are we not and in the interim he withdraws and O'Connell is the guy he might have been the guy regardless of whether Harbaugh right. we'll was never still really race, know how that was going to We play won't out. know I made a joke until John U Bacon writes a book we will not know um <laughs> I, it, it, is, it, it is pretty wild that it turned out that way. I mean, as we talked about all the different scenarios, it was like, okay, if he gets an offer, he's going to take it. Is he going to get an offer from the Vikings? If not, maybe he's going to get an offer from the Dolphins. I think the one scenario that everybody thought was off the table was he's going to walk away. And that's what ended up happening. So even though I said I was skeptical that the story was going to play out the way that Chris Ballas said it was going to play out. And I, didn't I just think still didn't near expect of a certainty. it to, yeah. I didn't expect it to play out that way, where he was going to withdraw himself from consideration and make the commitment to Michigan without ever actually finding out if he was going to get an offer from the Vikings. Yeah. So He also, you know, said, Schefter followed up kind of the initial report with the report saying, you know, he'll be here as long as U of M will have him. So mm-hmm. hopefully we are 
not doing this mess in a year, which is kind of what Matt and I suspected. We've tweeted about this at length, but neither one of us really thinks that we think this was a one-time thing. Excuse me. Right. Even we if think he had this not, was a one-time thing. If he had not gotten an offer this time, I find it very unlikely that he was going to get an offer next year, given that he would be going into a 2023 season during which he would turn 60 in a year when almost all of the prominent head coaching candidates are like younger than me, which is depressing. Like guys who are like 35, 36 years old. And, and given that youth movement and Harbaugh's age and the fact that at that point, he'd be pushing a decade out of the NFL. And that's just not a situation that you see. You don't see that sort of time pass before somebody gets another chance in the NFL, even when they've been successful before. John Gruden is the only guy I can think of who was kind of in a similar situation, but he was also substantially younger than Harbaugh would have been at that point. So I didn't really think that was going to be an issue either way, regardless of how exactly Harbaugh's return played out if he did return. But perhaps his contract should have a better buyout just for I good imagine measure. That, will, that will be the case, yeah. Just yeah, just for good measure. Yeah, and, and I have to say that Harbaugh, one thing you have to say about Harbaugh is that he is pretty consistently honest and true to his word. I mean, he has been throughout this entire process. And if he puts out there publicly, I'm going to be at Michigan as long as they'll have me, I, I would take him at his word regardless of what the contract says, honestly. And there's too. not many people I can say that about. I mean, the reason we're in this situation is because the guy is too damn honest about right. the way that he is conducting himself. Because if he just... If he had played this like Lincoln Riley. Right. <laughs> you know, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, I am not taking the LSU job. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley, very, very specific answer. Just deny buddy. everything until you actually get named as the head coach at your new job. Right. And then nobody ever has to find out and there's no speculation, which is what we've all been complaining or, you know, ranting about on Twitter for like, the we've last We've been talking month. about this shit for a month. Literally a month. My <laughs> God. We put out our first episode a month ago, basically. Mm-hmm. It was like the first week of January. It's now the first week of February. I am so glad we get to stop talking about this stuff <laughs> soon because I swear you and I have like insightful things to say that are not just speculating about what Jim Harbaugh will or won't do. Do we have insightful things to say? Maybe. Allegedly. Unclear. Unclear. We'll find out. I want to talk about the Flores lawsuit in its entirety, we have thoughts about fixing the transfer but We have all this stuff. We've just been talking about Harbaugh for a month. Yeah. There are like a couple other things I want to touch on here in regards to Harbaugh. One would be, it's it's kind of funny to me. I was just reading earlier today in uh, the MGO blog, Season Preview Magazine, Hail to the Victors, there was an article about Bo almost leaving to go to Texas A&M back close to 40 years ago, I guess it was. And the way that that played out, if you're not familiar, was Bo was making $60,000 a year at Michigan, um, which was actually like a pretty good slash normal major school head coaching salary, which is pretty wild. But Texas A&M, in a time as a flat circle sort of story, all of a sudden had some major donors who were oil barons, basically. Weird. Yeah, it's crazy how that plays Weird. out. Weird. Did they also um, sign, like, seven of the top 20 recruits or something that they year? They probably, either they did or SMU did. Because I know they're doing that they now. They were just shelling money around. Oh, right, <laughs> SMU. Eric Jeez. Dickerson driving around in his Trans Am gifted to him by boosters. Uh, but anyway, they made a short list, basically, at Texas A&M, and they said the only guy we probably can't get is Bear Bryant because he's at Alabama. And Shen Beckler was one of the two guys they honed in on. They essentially called him and said, what's it going to take to get you to A&M? And he kind of threw out like some ridiculous numbers. And the like secretary or whoever it was who was on the phone with him said, okay. And then the, uh, the booster calls him back and says, you got it. You're the new coach. Wild. 
you just got to fly down here and meet with us. He flew down. I mean, they went through the whole process of it was really a done deal for him to leave. And then there was some pushback from, I guess, some of the regents at A&M. Like there wasn't complete unanimity among the regents around Schembechler uh, coming in as coach, also included in his contract, by the way, the option to move into athletic director role in five years, plus a bunch of other like ancillary monetary benefits. I mean, this was, he, he was getting all in 300 grand a year, which at the time for coaching salaries would have been basically the equivalent of $20 million a year right now, just like blowing the entire coaching salary scale out of the water. So this was a pretty wild, just massive commitment. And there was some pushback from some people at AM. Bo also started to get cold feet, having gone down there a couple times and just starting to think about leaving Ann Arbor. And ultimately, as he was, I guess, sitting in his basement with the assistant coaches, kind of talking about what should I do? It's a lot of money. I, like my family would never have to worry about money ever again, which it was different back then. Again, it wasn't like every coach at a major school makes $7 million. You know, it was like right. 60000 which is good money, but not my family never has to worry about money ever again. And as they were kind of talking about it, he allegedly said something like, I, I just can't do it. I can't look all the players in the eye and tell them after I've promised these guys that they're going to be here for me for four years, I, I can't leave this place, leave them, leave Michigan. And it does feel kind of funny to me how similarly this ultimately kind of played out where it was like the interview's a formality, Harbaugh wants the NFL, he's, he's there in Minnesota, it's happening, we're all preparing for the loss, and then at the last second, <laughs> I'm back. Well, that has been... One of Harbaugh's greatest influences in his yeah. life, role model, inspiration of sorts. He, I know, do wonder if he thought about that. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the off season in which Harbaugh signed as a recruit. Interesting. So I, I do wonder if that thought crossed his mind that, you know, Bo obviously was a big influence on him. And all, all of the scandal aside, if you think back to somebody like that who was a, a big influence in your life and how that person could have walked away right before they had that chance. Right before I, they met you, or well, not met, I guess, he would have recruited him, but right before yeah. they, they really had the opportunity to be a part of your life. That that would make you think twice, I imagine. I think so, yeah. And and the, the one other thing I was going to mention was just the, the thing that was floating around Twitter for most of the last week as people started to get frustrated with the wait, which was Michigan should just fire Harbaugh and move the, on. The worst, the most take. asinine take the worst I've take. seen in a long for like a hundred reasons. I can't imagine in a situation where a whole bunch of members of your athletic department have taken pay cuts. Some number of them have been laid off, right, because of the budget crisis caused by COVID mm -hmm. in the last you know two years. To say we per we on purpose. Yeah, you can't quit. You're fired, and we're going to pay you severance instead of you paying us your buyout. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're going to pay one and a half million dollars or whatever it is for the benefit of kicking you out like three days earlier than you were going to leave. <laughs> Come on. And to me, imagine that was... <laughs> looking your employees in the eye, dead ass, as a person who runs a company, and saying that shit. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Just uh, absurd on its face. But to me, that was only the probably third most ridiculous reason. Like, Michigan has enough money if they wanted to do that or felt that they, they needed to do money, that. they have enough money, they didn't need to cut anyone's salaries last year, and they did that. Sure, so. but I, I mean, if they felt that they were in a situation where that situation was harming them competitively, like Stephen Ross or somebody would go cut them a check for a million. But like, they would figure that out financially, I think. But A, you eliminate the possibility of what has just happened happening. Like, it ended up that Harbaugh came back 
And that was your best case scenario because he was by far your most qualified and almost certainly your best option. And so if you fire him, you eliminate that scenario. And two, in the process, you send a very clear message to every potential coaching candidate externally that, I mean, Matt Campbell's been brought up both of the last two off-seasons for NFL jobs. Ryan Day's been brought up for NFL jobs. Not that Ryan Day's taking the Michigan job, but just if you're a very successful college coach, you are most likely going to get calls at some point from the NFL. And if I'm Matt Campbell and I'm looking at this situation where Jim Harbaugh just won the Big Ten and gone to the playoff and they fired him for even talking to an NFL team, I'm not taking that job. I don't have to deal with that shit. I can go somewhere else. I can wait another offseason, take a, a you know another good Power 5 job, Correct. and know that I have the option in the future of if five years from now I feel like I've done all I can in college football and I want a shot at the NFL and winning a Super Bowl, which some guys do, there's no reason I have to eliminate that possibility for myself by going to Michigan. That, that would have been absolutely insane in, in every possible direction. A hundred percent. I think it's ridiculous. And the other thing is, too, I, it's super weird to me the way that we treat NFL co- or NFL co- college coaches. Excuse me. It's insane to me the way that we treat college coaches as if, like, they're not normal people who have jobs, which is to say... Nobody expects me to wilt away at my job forever and never, ever even think about or imagine ever working at a different law firm than I currently work at. Like, it's super weird to me. I get that, like, he went to Michigan and he's a Michigan guy and you expect him to have this, like, emotional connection. And I'm sure he does. But it's also his life and his career. And it's super wild to me to impose a burden on him that would be an unreasonable burden to impose on like any other human being alive. Right. College sports fans in particular, I think the like emotional connection and passion makes it so that there's this weird feeling of like, if the coach isn't as committed to this school as I am, if they don't live and die with this job, then fuck them. Then fuck them. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) And that's insane. Right. That's not a reasonable expectation for anyone. And Harbaugh is actually as close as you can possibly get to that anywhere. I don't think there's any coach that, at least not that I can think of, not active, who has the same sort of love, clearly, for their university the way that Harbaugh does for Michigan. And so if that's your stance and you're looking at Harbaugh and saying... Tom Izzo. If he ever... And maybe Tom Izzo, yeah. Tom Izzo, I think, is a pretty... I, I was thinking football specifically. Good but example. Yeah. There's probably a small handful out there if you kind of look around at the broader college sports Basketball, landscape. I feel like specific... Like, I, I would have said that about Roy Williams, right? Or Krzyzewski. Like, people who have opportunities but stay put at their colleges. Well, Roy Williams is an interesting example since he left, he left Kansas, Kansas for North Carolina. And Kansas, yeah. I mean, is a top... A blue you know, blood, yeah. Right, and no question blue blood. So, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's, it's a weird thing that people feel like you, you can't ever leave, and if you think about leaving, then fuck you because you don't have the same level of passion for this university that I do. That's just Crazy. not reasonable at all. Right, it would be a different thing, I think, for even the most committed fans if coaching football was your livelihood it's right. not the same you you it's can't <laughs> behave like a fan at every turn especially you know? in a world where you're always months from getting fired right yes like i mean harbaugh was absolutely that guy. he was <laughs> basically 2020 got him within a, a shoestring of getting fired he was and one a bad Rutgers 2021 missed field goal away yeah, probably. Perhaps. right 
from being fired. Right. Last you just year. you just can't treat your career in coaching the same way that fans treat their connection to the same university. It doesn't it's not the same thing. I think that's really wild, but I, I do think that's an important point. I, I, yeah. I thought I thought that speculation was nuts and, and people can feel free to disagree with me on that. And I'm sure those of you who thought <laughs> we should fire Harbaugh will disagree with me on that, but I, I don't buy it at all. I think he did sort of head some of that off, some of the probably lingering animosity that existed around, does by he really want to be the, here? Right, by yeah. saying, I'm going to be here as long as Michigan will I, allow me to I be here. I agree with that. He's smart enough to to know why that quote, right. like that quote did not get It matters for recruiting. It matters for the, the players Correct. wanting to know about stability. And it matters a lot for, for fans just to know, just given that, even though I don't think it was an issue, all the people saying, how do we know this isn't going to happen every year? Well, I, I, I just told you. And again, one thing you can say about Harbaugh is that he's always been a man of his word, sometimes to his own <laughs> his own detriment, frankly. Absolutely. All right. So that's kind of the uh, the Harbaugh's back uh, My God, we were so ready to. We would have been <laughs> ranking the top five moments of the Harbaugh tenure, like to wax poetic about <laughs> the well, last We had a good 24 hours to mentally prepare, but... And, and, you, and, you don't get to hear it. You don't get to no, know what the top no, moments of the Harbaugh tenure were anymore. There no, will be. We'll, we'll, it's yeah, an evolving we'll fi- list. We'll file those away for for some time in the His future. Retirement in like twenty forty two or something. <laughs> but uh, all right. So so with Harbaugh back, where do we stand? We still need to hire a defensive coordinator. Yes. Which we talked about in the last episode in pretty unfortunate timing given that almost simultaneously uh, with that episode dropping was the news that Harbaugh was. Interviewing, with, interviewing the with the Vikings. So uh, we talked a little bit about some of the defensive coordinator options there. We don't need to rehash all of that now. And speaking of the staff, actually, I would also point out that, I mean, one of our big concerns was that there are people on the staff who, who, who like might one day be good coaches, but they're not ready yet. And with Harbaugh coming back, assuming you've got at least a few years of him, you've got basically a few years for Mike Hart to marinate yes. and maybe be that that guy who becomes Let coach him and waiting simmer or, for a little. Right. Or or maybe it's Josh Gaddis if he kind of continues to build on what they had offensively last year and he really establishes himself as a guy who should be running a program. At least that way you've got options, you've got more data points to kind of find out on our staff. I love who is data really points. Ready. Give me all love, the data we, points. We both love data points because we're big them. nerds. I need them. No, I'm just risk averse. I need them. I well, need I need right. them to feel comfortable. I'm a nerd and risk averse, so definitely need the data points. But yeah, you, you'll get that. You'll you'll get a chance to actually kind of develop those guys and figure out what you have there, which which is huge. Um, and, and then lastly, I think the recruiting class, given that we had already passed, well, today was National Signing Day, and nobody who signed during the early signing period had decommitted even with full knowledge of Harbaugh interviewing for NFL jobs. It seems pretty unlikely that there's going to be any significant losses there. Maybe somebody ends up flipping if they're not super confident about what's going to happen long term, but there's been no indication of that so far, Anybody who, uh, at least for anybody who signed during the early signing period. So it looks like the class is together. Presumably the current roster will stay together given that it doesn't look like there's going to be major coaching turnover. So on that front, it's all good news, I would say. Definitely. And I don't have to feel sad every time I hear Pump It Up or Mr. Brightside <laughs> now. So that's a plus. You don't have to feel sad and we don't have to debate coaching stuff. Do we, do we want to do in the last couple minutes, uh, j- just for funsies, our, uh, our like top tier of potential replacements if Harbaugh had left? I know Jim we talked Harbaugh, about that a little Jim bit Harbaugh, before. Jim Harbaugh, Jim <laughs> Harbaugh. That's, that's the list. I just like, I don't, I'm not so, I mean like, I've heard Bill O'Brien today. I don't love that. I feel like he's been away from college for too long. I heard Matt Rule today. I don't love that either because he 
he, his track record isn't actually all that impressive. Um, I think it's pretty impressive. I know he didn't have no a lot of big wins. wins. Well, sure, but he also had no ranked wins because those Oklahoma teams were the playoff Oklahoma teams and not like the Oklahoma team that Baylor beat this year that went like 9-3 and three or whatever. Where It's a little I bit different. It. Don't when like it you, anyway. You're a, you took over a 1-11 Baylor program and you can't beat a playoff-level Oklahoma team. That doesn't really bother me. I like, I like Aranda. I liked yeah. Aranda, but same kind of issue. Really, really limited sample size. Matt Campbell has the best sample size. I think yeah. in Matt terms Campbell of success, and he came best. with the built-in DC, and that probably right. made him my top candidate. But I don't like any of it. I veto no Jim Harbaugh forever. Thank you. Yeah, that was pretty much my top tier. Honestly, was Matt Campbell and Dave Aranda probably one two. I think Aranda was kind of a guy who, like Brent Venables, had established himself as one of the two elite defensive coordinators in the country, and was ready for a major head coaching job, and then got one and did really well with it even in a very limited sample size. So that, in terms of kind of overall trajectory, I think would have been pretty promising. And, and Matt Campbell, I think, has, has really done an excellent job. Say what you will about what happened this past year where Iowa State only, quote-unquote, only went 7-5. and five, But the track record there, I think, is still remarkably impressive given that Iowa State is just a god-awful job in a place where nobody ever wins more than, like, four games. Didn't you used to live near there? Like, relatively near. I lived in the Quad Cities, so eastern Iowa, not super close to Ames. Ames is even worse than eastern Iowa. Let me tell you how little I know about the geography of <laughs> Iowa. It's Ames absolutely is nothing. absolutely nowhere. And, and Iowa State is also functionally a junior college. Like, there is no appeal for anyone to ever go to Iowa State. So actually winning anything there, and by winning anything, I'm not even talking about the Big 12. I'm talking about, like... Winning six games there is a real accomplishment. So I, I'm kind of a Matt Campbell fan. I'm going to make I think the Iowa State good. fans mad. <laughs> well, I don't know if any Iowa State fans are listening. But hey, I'm saying good things mad. about Matt Campbell. No, I, I mean, that was pretty much my top tier. I think either of those guys probably would have been the best that you could get. I, I kind of feel the same way about Matt Rule. Solid, not overwhelming. Uh, I don't know how much weight to put into NFL performance. Same with Bill O'Brien. It, it wasn't an incredibly compelling pool of potential candidates. So I also don't like taking people who like Bill O'Brien's most recent success was at Alabama. And I don't trust people who, who succeed at Alabama Yeah, because I just <laughs> like you have generate, you have Heisman court. Maybe you're Kirby smart, but maybe you're Doug Nussmeier and Correct. Derek Dooley and just a whole string of guys. I don't who, like it. <laughs> right. I don't like, obviously there was Luke fickle. I'm still not hiring a guy who's got a block. Oh, tattooed on himself. End of discussion. Yeah. Fair. I, I guess fickle you could put in that bucket, but he was never coming anyway. So Fortunately, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to have all these debates on Twitter with people talking about, uh, you know, Tom Herman or which is just. I had so, someone so recommend weird to me. Urban Meyer to me today, and I oh, was like, "Let me tell Jesus. you, that might be the only thing that could get me to forego my season tickets." Yeah, I want to win, Meyer. but I don't want to win like that. Scumbag! Absolutely. I don't. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Turn us into a football factory, but I still got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's where my line's not. at. In case you're wondering, absolutely not. So we don't have to care because it's Jim Harbaugh, folks. We will see him on the sideline, whatever, the first week of September 2022. and That's right. We will be there cheering on Jim Harbaugh and the defending Big Ten champions. Damn straight.